0: Thank you, Timur. Hey, good morning, Second. You guys doing well? Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, and I'll be glad in it. Amen. It's a choice to start off. I want to start my week off at church in God's house with you people. You guys ready for the word today? A couple of you are. This section is. Not so sure about you guys over there. You're going to have to make it up halfway through. When they get a little sleepy, okay, i will be your cue. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. God, we just help us to slow our minds, slow our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We thank you that you're going to bring back to remembrance the words that Jesus spoke. Word, search out in our hearts, Father. Root out anything that might distract or take away from the harvest that you want to happen from this morning, God. We know that your word is perfect and we want to be able to to capture that word, Father, and see it bear fruit in our lives, God. So we give you all the praise, and we give you all the glory. God, we also thank you so much for this nation of Canada. Right now, we lift up every single leader that's in our nation, Father. We're so grateful for people who are leading and and laying down their lives to lead, uh, the citizens of this country. And Father, we thank you that you're going to continue to bring knowledge and wisdom to those that are in office. Help them make the right decisions that empower this country, that create opportunity for its citizens and its people to live prosperous, beautiful lives, Father. If there are leaders in our country that do not want to do what you want them to do, Father, if they're against your will, if they're against your value, if they're against your standards and your morals and what comes out of your word, Father, we thank you and we ask that you take them out of office, that you rise, raise up new leaders to take their place, Father, leaders after your own heart, leaders that uh, are are there to serve the people and elevate the country of Canada in the way and the direction that you would have it go. We speak this in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone in agreement said, amen and amen and amen. (laughs) Title of the sermon this morning is The Fruitless Hearer. The Fruitless Hearer. I should start off by asking a question, how many people want to bear fruit in their life? If this is, if you're a first-timer at church and you have no idea what Christian lingo means, (laughs) fruit is good stuff. (laughs) Good things in your life. Things that we believe when you dive into relationship with God is that if you're actually in relationship with God, is that there will be evidence in your actions and the life that you live. Not just words that fall short, but there'll be actual evidence real change in people's lives. You can't help but change when you're in relationship with Jesus. When you're in true relationship. But Jesus warns us that there are a lot of people that are in relationship with him that are fruitless hearers. They hear the word, but yet they don't bear any fruit. Obviously not Springs Church. Okay? So, we can settle for a moment. Jesus in Matthew and in Mark, and in Luke, all three of those uh, Synoptics Gospels, they all bear the same story of the parable of the sower. How many people are familiar with the parable of the sower? It's a pretty common one. Um, We're going to dive into it today. I'm going to challenge you to not let this sermon become something that seems obvious, because there's a lot of truth that is packed into this. Jesus actually set the stage by saying, In order for you to understand every single one of my parables, my sermons, stories with a point, for you to understand how the kingdom of heaven works, you need to understand this one. So this is the key. This is what you need to grasp. And Jesus goes on to set the stage and actually lets us know majority of people don't take it in. And there's only a few that does. So I'm believing today that whatever we've heard on the parable of the sower beforehand, that let's not let it become obvious because we'll miss the not so obvious that Holy Spirit wants to work and reveal to us in our hearts. And maybe I'll talk to the men for a second, but do your wives ever tell you obvious things? And then you realize it actually wasn't so obvious? (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I was cutting the grass, and my wife started to give me instructions on how to cut the grass. And she's like, "Hun, just so you know, there's there's a hose in the middle of the grass. Don't go over that with the lawnmower." Okay, thanks, sweetie. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll be sure of doing that one. We got some new bushes and hedges. Just make sure you stay away from it, that you don't kill it with the lawnmower. All right, thanks, sweetie. I appreciate it. <laughs> D- David, Gabriel's outside in the backyard. Just watch out for him as you're mowing the grass. Okay, hun. Like, I know we've got a child and he's walking. I'm not going to mow down my child as I'm doing this, right? They're obvious things, but I found myself when I got to the hose, it actually came across my mind that I'm pretty sure I can get over this hose <laughs> without having to move it. <laughs> so sometimes we think things are obvious, but they're really, they're not so obvious because my wife knows me better than maybe I know myself in those situations. I pray that as we dive in... That's so stupid. (laughs) Just revealing all of the the goofinesses that we have. We're going to dive into God's room. I believe that as we dive into this, that Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you areas in your life that uh, might be holding you back. I I pray in in my life, I never want to be someone who does not bear fruit. It tells us in John, Jesus actually tells us in John chapter 15, verse 8, he tells us that we prove that we are his disciples. Now, I'm not saying we prove that we are in a relationship. We can have salvation. You can be guaranteed salvation. We're talking about moving on from salvation and entering and walking into this kingdom. The mystery that comes with what Jesus has done for us. So we've guaranteed salvation, but if we stop there, you're leaving everything else on the sideline that is there for you to walk into. And John 158 actually tells us, Jesus tells us that you will prove that you are Jesus' disciples. That simply means you are a disciplined follower of Christ. Discipline usually involves action, some sort of movement, some sort of repetition, some habits, some on purpose things you do in your life. So it tells us that you will be known, or you will prove that you are disciples by the fruit that you bear. Uh, that, that's, a, that's the important litmus test to understand because each and every one of us can look at our lives and be like, hey, if I'm in relationship with God, I should be bearing fruit in whatever, area A, area B, area C. And it can look different for everyone. We're being pretty vague right now in terms of throwing it out there. I'm going to let you be the judge for yourself but to give you a couple examples is that maybe you've been quick to anger your whole life. And you're in relationship with God and you're studying God's word about what it says about showing love to people. And, and you believe and you're believing God that, God, wherever I go, I want to exude your love. Even when people offend me and take me off, I want to show your love first. And maybe you've seen the fruit of that in your life where, wow, I'm actually a little bit slower to anger. I'm show- you're showing, you're bearing fruit in that area of your life. So that's an example of what it means to bear fruit. We know that there's the fruits of the Spirit that we have, the, the attributes of the Spirit. Now, I believe and I pray that as we enter into a relationship with God is that the fruit of God will be evident in our life. This isn't just some Christian club we come to because it's fashionable or fun, right? Like If we're doing that, if we're showing up just because that, it's a waste of your time. Don't come for that. Come to deepen and understand your relationship, and not just on Sundays, but dive into that all week so you can see the fruit. But Jesus, in this parable of the sower, which is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 13 today to dive into that version of it. Now I believe that as we go through this, Jesus identifies the different types of soil, which the soil, if you don't know this, is your heart condition whether you've got a hard heart, whether you've got other things that are distracting, whether you have good, a good heart, which means you're receptive. Jesus identifies and actually shows us that a majority of people don't have the, heart right, the, the right heart condition to generate fruit. And so there's an emphasis on the heart and the heart receiving the seed. Because how many people know that God's word, the seed, when, we see, when I say the word the seed, I'm referring to God's word, I just remembered. How many people brought their Bibles this morning? The real deal ones. I got corrected in the first service. I said the, uh, the tree tearing down Bibles. The paper ones. But apparently it's not even from trees. So you can't get mad if you're a climate activist. Apparently it's flax. Did anyone know that? I could have said the wrong crop. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of the crops. It's not a tree. I don't even know where I was at. Where was I at? (laughs) The Word. The Word. Thank you. The seed is God's Word. The Word of God is incorruptible. So when God's Word goes forth, and when God's Word goes forward, is that Jesus isn't emphasizing the product. He's not emphasizing how good the seed is, because we already know the seed is perfect. The seed will produce, but it will only produce when it's put in the right soil. So I pray today that as we go through this, you'll be open to Holy Spirit, wrecking your heart a little bit, maybe opening up your heart and help you recognize for yourself, not for me, not for the public, but for yourself, what areas of my life do I have bad soil What areas of my life, because it's not just a one size fits all. You might have great faith in one area, and you might have great soil in that area, like the example I use. You might believe I want to show people love wherever I go, the Christ kind of love, and you're doing it. But then by the end of the sermon, when I go and I say, hey, we're going to bring our tithes and our offerings, and all of a sudden you're pissed off and angry, (laughs) right? That might be a sign that you've got a hardness of heart towards this area of finances, so we've all got different areas which we might be open to and have good soil, but then you'll have areas in your life that you'll have bad soil for whatever reasons. Maybe you got hurt in the past. Maybe you just have preconceived ideas. Maybe something genuinely has happened that's affected you, but we want to trust God and Holy Spirit to soften our heart because we, I don't want you to be robbed of the fruit that the seed can produce in your life because you've been unaware, or maybe you haven't been open to letting that heart transformation work happen. So that's my goal. Is that clear? We're going to read Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, we're reading in uh, the ESV today. Jesus, I want to start in verse 4. Jesus says, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds, and it fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them, the seeds. Other seeds, they fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. But note, it still immediately sprang up, the harvest, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and it choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil. And produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Jesus does all of us pastors a favor and he does his own exposition on his own sermon. He explains later, if we jump to verse 18, he now explains what his sermon means. The disciples ask, That's cool, Jesus, what do you mean? Tell us. So then he goes in verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and he does not understand it. Now, we'll dive into what that means. It means a little bit deeper than just, I don't get it. The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So that's one group of people that Jesus identifies. Is that the seed doesn't even have a chance to penetrate the ground and do what it needs to do. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, and he immediately receives it with joy. Here's another group. They receive the word, they're happy to hear it, yet he has no root in himself. But he endures for a while on his own strength, on his own endurance, he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately... He falls away. He is robbed of the fruit. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, and note that Jesus says, and the deceitfulness of riches, not riches, but the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word out, and it proves unfruitful. To prove unfruitful insinuates that there was fruit, that fruit started. But then it proved to be unfruitful. Why? Because the cares of the world, whatever, distracted and stole away. Robbed this person from them. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. And in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. Martin Luther tells us that we need to hear the word of God Every single day. Why? Because we forget it every single day. I love that quote. I love how simple it is. The great Martin Luther, as a reminder of this word of God. But when we know that we have this seed that is incorruptible, is that and we might ask ourselves, but I'm diving into the word, or I'm I'm getting Sunday sermons and I YouTube a sermon on Wednesday to keep me going through the week and and I get back on Sunday and I'm faithful that way. There evidently, if there isn't fruit in a certain area of your life that you're seeing, then there is something missing in the equation. See, Jesus is showing us through this and the series of parables he teaches after, is that there is a process to faith. It's not just we're throwing a magic seed out there and you automatically get a windfall of money to help you with your problems. Or asking God, God, I need this really bad. I'm probably the person in the most need, so please help me. Maybe we've prayed that prayer before. But evidently, when you read through what Jesus is teaching, God is not moved by need. That seems like maybe a little unfair. I'll prove otherwise. How do you determine what the greatest need is? Maybe God's a little smarter than we are and he can do a better job at it. But what he's done is he's set up a system in which every single believer, every single person who believes, can tap into this thing called the process of faith. You see, seed, you throw the seed into soil, you have time, and you have harvest. In the farming situation, you don't seed and you don't harvest within one day. It's a process. So if you're reaping a harvest in your life right now, it's because it's seeds that you've sown some time ago. And if you want to see a different harvest in the future of your life, you need to start sowing the seeds. But we need to do our part with preparing the soil, preparing our heart so the fruit can produce. Jesus goes on to say in one of his parables how we do not know how this stuff grows. We go to sleep at night and I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden a harvest has sprung up. By stating that when you tap into the process of what God has laid out of seed, time, and harvest, it's that it's not up to your need. It's not up to how desperate you are. It's not up to those things. It's up to the word that you're planting, the work that you're doing to prepare the soil, and letting God's process do the rest so you can see the harvest in your life. The sower scatters the seed is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit brings up the seed, and man's heart, it is Soil. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm just going to lay a little bit more groundwork before we get into the the guts of this. Hebrews chapter 5, we have the author here that essentially after talking for a while, he ends up insulting the group of people by calling them dull of hearing. (laughs) He goes, about this in verse 11, we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For, the, for though by this time you should have been teachers already of the word. That's what he's saying. You should have been teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, you don't need solid food anymore. So, what he's saying here is that these guys should have been at a point where they're nonstop on solid food on the word. But they have fallen back maybe because they've let the obvious become obvious to them. Maybe because they've become hardened of heart where they think they know better. Maybe because they've heard this over and over again and they actually are becoming dull of hearing where Holy Spirit isn't doing, can't do the work in their life. It goes, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That is an interesting statement. See, the, here the author is alluding to the word in a couple different ways. Milk would be the equivalent of, of comfort and hope, which the word does its job, is that if you're a new believer and you're coming into the faith and you're starting to explore what this means, is that the word is going to be milk. You are a baby Christian, and for lack of better words, is that you are starting down the process of maturing in the word. So the word is going to be milk to you. The word is going to be bring comfort and bring hope, and and maybe help relieve some areas that you've got bad thoughts, and it's going to say, no, think this way. So that's great when you're a baby Christian, when you're moving, and the Word is going to do its work. But eventually, you need to move on from milk, like all human beings do, and you need to move to the good stuff. You need to get to the protein, which is confrontational, which produces change which maybe it exhorts you. It goes and shows you, no, David, this area, you need to dive in. You you need the word to let your heart correct you because that's going to lead you down a path of destruction. Let it become protein. Let it become meat so it can bring change in my life. And this is what the author is saying is they become dull of hearing that they should be on the good stuff where their life is changing and fruit is being produced, but they become dull of hearing. They've moved back into milk. They've moved back into the basics, and they've actually regressed. I love what Pastor Cam, who was Pastor Leon's dad, would always say. I don't mind bottle-feeding the baby Christians. I just don't want to part the whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many Christians that have become dull of hearing that we've actually regressed in our word, and we just take it for a, a spoonful of hope. Or a nice thought to help me feel good. And we've actually moved away from the protein where it actually produces change. And that's something that we can reconcile in ourselves. You let Holy Spirit reconcile in your life what is the heart condition that you have in a certain area. That might be and probably is the blockade that is stopping fruit from growing in a certain area of your life. And so we're going to identify that. It tells us, Jesus, the first one that he goes and he tells us about is, he talks about the path. Some seed falls on the path. You guys still with me? Group one, the seed falls on the path. So what does it do? It falls on hard ground. When farmers would sow in Galilee and they would be sowing their fields, you have your fields with your ripe soil, your great soil, and you'd have pathways that'd be on the outskirts of it where the farmers could walk through. This was compact ground. It was hardened ground. It wasn't tilled. It, it wasn't roughed up. It wasn't softened so the seed could fall through. They have these paths that would walk through it. And oftentimes our hearts, if there are areas in our life that maybe you've been offended by something. I, money is an easy example to pick on because so many times we've all struggled in our lives about where we might think what is best or maybe you've seen, maybe you've seen people in pastoral positions abuse money and so now you no longer trust the whole process of what it is, so your heart has gone so hard that God's word, when it's trying to work and free you from those strongholds, is because of an offense that maybe you've held onto or anger you've held onto is that you are now no longer capable of actually receiving the word. So when a, a pastor or God's word is trying to let you know, hey, it is better to give than to receive, you view that line as manipulative, Whereas you're actually being robbed of the gift that that is. When you learn what it means to give and that our God is the ultimate giver and he's not there to rob you, asking you to give so you can have lack. No, he is asking you and moving you in that direction. He's trying to bless you, but your heart is too hard. That when, Your heart is too hard that when the seed, the word, this thing that's supposed to be meat comes and tries to challenge you is it doesn't even get a chance to sit in your heart it hits your heart and it gets rejected and some of you are going to lose that word before you even leave church on a Sunday because the enemy like the bird has just come and stolen that word from you that's one group of people hardness of heart we've all got that in different areas there might be an area where maybe you've been believing for something believing for healing and it didn't happen and now maybe it's happened over and over and your mind is going to this area where God, why, did not this, why didn't it happen? And you start developing this belief of it's not gonna happen. Maybe that part isn't true or maybe, maybe it's true for others but doesn't apply to me. Or maybe you put something in there maybe I wasn't good enough. Or maybe I screwed up that week and I wasn't in the Word. I never got my Bible app 10 day streak of reading the Word in a row thing. Whatever it might be is you're starting to develop this belief This hardness of heart that is actually going to rob you when the word is trying to be planted in your heart. So my goal in this is for you to self-identify what areas in your life have you developed a hard heart that you need to humble yourself and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to wreck my heart in this area. Burst it wide open, just like the ground is tilled, so that the seed can go and actually take root and start to do, there's actually in the word of God, it talks about the seed being full of the energy of God. The word, this exposition of who Jesus is, when it gets into the proper places, energy starts to go and starts to move. We don't know how it works, but we know that when you have it work, because I guarantee you, you've seen it work in different areas of your life, is that all of a sudden fruit starts to develop. Why? Because your heart was in the right condition. And condition usually applies to this humility, this, this approach of, like the psalmist would say, search my heart, O oh God. Root out those things that we don't need. The enemy, he is the great thief of sermons. <laughs> Man. There are so many times Christians just show up and they come to church and the pastor touches on something that they don't like and immediately the enemy uses that as an opportunity, as easy prey, like the birds picking seeds off of a rocky road is that he robs the word. And this is why it's so important to be aware and to be open to the Holy Spirit working and softening our hearts. We've got five minutes left and I'm on the first point. We're going to move on, okay? You guys okay with that? The the devil is the sworn enemy of the profiting of the word in your life, just so you know. He's going to do anything he can to rob you of what the word is trying to accomplish. So you've got to do the work like the farmers do the work of, of, of breaking open the ground softening the soil so the seed can get in. But guess what? Their work is not done. What do they do after the seed is deposited? They come back and they cover the seed up. They do more work. They fertilize it. They water it. They tend to it. So when the word is planted on your heart in the area that you are wanting to work, guess what? Don't let Sunday be the only day you receive the word. Go back and study that word Monday. Study that word Tuesday. Go back and protect that word. When you have the enemy throw thoughts at you and try to mess you up, you go back to the word and let that counter what the enemy is throwing at you. You go and you pray, and you seek God on that word. That is the work of covering it. It's not some magic formula, like I said earlier, where you just thank God for the seed and it happens. No, it involves your work. The process involves you To move. You notice how it says, God, it says in Deuteronomy that He will bless the work of your hand. I hear so many people say, He will bless my hand and what I touch. No, He will bless the work of your hand. Meaning, get to work, people, right? Let's go. Is that you keep wishing and hoping and getting disappointed and wishing and hoping and getting disappointed, but you're missing the work. Disciplined followers. Of Jesus. I told you I'd move on and I haven't done it yet. Number two, the stony ground. This is the second place of the heart where rock fell upon. The stony ground. Notice that the seed actually got in the soil. And notice that it actually produced a harvest faster than it did in the good soil. That's interesting. It sprouted up real quick. But then all of a sudden the sun came out and scorched it because there was no depth root. It couldn't survive it because there was nowhere to draw upon the moisture. There was nowhere to help sustain it through a tough period. This reminds me of so many people that are, are new Christians or come to church recent times. Now, that's you, listen up for a quick second, because this is something you could be prey to, is that I find so many times, and it's a great thing when we bring out friends to church, and and they're looking for some sort of hope or change in their life. They're looking for something in their world, some positivity, and they come out to church. Maybe they come out to Springs Church, and they find, man, this is a great atmosphere. Man, this is a joyful place. There's so many positive people. People love it. I'm gonna, and and they, they receive this, what I'm saying, they receive it with gladness. even says that. Jesus they receive the word with joy. They take it in. It gets planted on their heart, and then they go about their way. But then all of a sudden, cares of the world or different things blow at them. Maybe the friends that they brought and they were sustaining them through this whole time. Maybe their friends, I don't know, don't come to church as often anymore. And now that person's coming by themselves. Maybe it finds out that they're, whatever circumstance it might be, is that if you're in that situation, is that what this Bible, what Jesus is telling us, he is warning, don't let your foundation don't let your root be in a positive atmosphere at church. Because I guarantee if you walk these halls, you will find at some point, at one time or another, in some corner, a negative atmosphere. <laughs> That's going to turn you off and ruin your experience. Or if your hope is in the friends that are bringing you to church and you feel good and it's happy and it's helping you get through your week, at some point your friends are going to fail you. If your hope is in Man, I just love the emotion that I feel when I come on a Sunday. It's electric and it's like, it's this awesome, the energy that comes off the stage when worship happens. At some point, you will not feel that on a Sunday morning. Don't let your foundation be in the emotionalism of what this can feel. Because Jesus is warning, you, and so many people fall off, they get away from church because their faith was in something other than Jesus. They experience the fruit temporarily. They experience what this amazing thing that happens, and then something pushes at them because they don't have a good root, they're scorched. And all of a sudden you realize, man, that person has no longer been around or in the faith for a year, or whatever it is. It's because we put our faith and our trust in the wrong thing. If you're here and you're new at church, if you're a new Christian, whatever it is, put your faith and trust in Jesus alone. You get into the Word, so you don't have shallow soil. So when storms come at you, is that you're not being washed away and scorched away, is that you can draw deep into the Word that will sustain you when your friends won't, when this positive atmosphere won't, when church people offend you. <laughs> Guarantee that will happen. That's the second time. It's interesting that it sooner appeared above the ground than that which was sown in good soil. That you receive it with joy... There are many that are very glad to hear a good sermon, but yet they don't profit from it. That's what Jesus is alluding to in this second group. They have no root in themselves, no settled or fixed principles. I did a message months ago on the necessity of absolute truth. The absolute truth is the word of God. And if you're rooted in anything else besides this, you're going to get scorched. I'm just going to be real with you. It's going to happen. doesn't matter if you're a Christian, doesn't matter if you've got a great family that are Christians. If your root is outside of the word, outside of Jesus, you're going to get scorched. Jesus, in all of His wisdom, is giving us a heads up. Thank God for Jesus. We're going to move on to number three. Number three, thorny ground. So the word gets in, the, words, the, the seed gets in, starts to sprout a harvest, it starts to come through. you start seeing harvest in your life. You start seeing the fruit evident in your life for whatever you're believing for. Whatever you're, you're diving into God's word, these evidences start to come forth in your life, whether it's peace, patience, joy, whatever it might be. These things start to become evident. But in this grouping, they're temporarily evident. So this group got a little further than group two, which got a little further than group one. We didn't even get the seed planted. But this group They're going hard, they're at church, maybe they're in the Word every single day, maybe they're doing their thing, but then it tells us, Jesus tells us, the cares of the world distract and take away from where our energy and our focus should be. If Jesus is all sufficient, if Jesus is the answer, then our energy and our focus should be on Jesus building that even when problems come. But so many times, and I'm victim of this, so many times where I I, I have a relationship with God and I'm into the Word and I'm believing and I'm studying and then something comes up that's a pretty big thing and guess what? It takes me off and it distracts me. And all of a sudden the pride likes to try to poke its head in this moment, okay David you can figure this out. You can do this on your own strength man, you've got the skill, you've got the power. And this thing like deceives us and all before I know it my attention is no longer on Jesus the answer, it's on David trying to be the solution in my problem. And so many Christians fall for this because whatever it might be, and they're not trying to make issues seem smaller than they are, but if Jesus is really the answer, if Jesus is what we are pursuing, then he is the answer for whatever comes our way, and the cares of the world seem small compared to Jesus. What we focus on is what we amplify. And then he also says the deceitfulness of riches. Not riches. You guys hear me? It doesn't say riches robs people by the thorny ground. It's the deceitfulness of riches. What that means is the deceitfulness of riches, it cannot be deceitful unless we put our confidence in them. So it's misplaced confidence. Our confidence was in Jesus, but now a problem comes up and my confidence goes into my bank account to help me get me through this area. I may need to pay rent at the end of the month so I'm going to go figure out how can I make my confidence goes to my money instead of me going keep keeping my confidence in Jesus who has supplied and met every single one of my needs. How it does not make sense in the natural? You're right about that. But in the supernatural in which we operate, it makes complete sense to tap into that. That is the difference between people who are seeing fruit in their life. Notice how Jesus gives us four groups. He gives us four people that are receiving the word. I'm spewing out the word here to you guys. Holy Spirit, I believe, is leading me to give you the word this morning. It's not David, it's Holy Spirit. But there's going to be, according to Jesus, is that generally there is a majority of people that are going to be fruitless hearers. This will not benefit you. That's not going to be me, amen? Amen. But across the board, this is what Jesus is warning us of. Is that if you don't understand this process and what this is, then all these other things I'm about to teach you, you're not gonna have the key. Now we're gonna go to the close in terms of the good ground that Jesus talks about. Then he goes and tells us about a group which is distinguished from the rest, and they've got good ground. And how do we know they have good ground? One word, three words. (laughs) They bear fruit. It's gonna say fruitfulness, but they bear fruit. That's how you prove that you're a disciple of Jesus is you bear fruit. The beautiful, beautiful thing is you don't have to try, I need to bear fruit, man. I need to be happy. I need to be, no, no. When you spend time with Jesus, when you come up say, Jesus, man, it's not me. Just wreck my heart so that the word of God can be it. Take away my pride. I'm done doing this on my own. I want your word to come and to transform my life. When we come with that, that's us tilling the ground, getting it ready. When we dive into the word, We hear church on Sundays, we hear the word. That's the word being sown. When we go and we get back into the word, okay, this is what was said. What does this mean? I don't trust, you shouldn't trust any pastor. (laughs) Let Holy Spirit be your true teacher. So what I'm telling you today, go back to the word and check everything that I'm saying. Okay, pastor said this, okay, I'm going to read this for myself. Now you're diving into the word, you're covering that seed. So the birds can't come rob it from you. Then what are you doing? You're praying God, and you're getting down in your quiet time, praying and seeking God, talking with Him. Now what are you doing? You're adding some fertilizer on that seed. You're adding some water on that seed. See, you're doing the work of letting the seed, which is perfect, do its work. And if you do that work yourself, and you're going through those motions, is that you are now preparing your heart as good soil. Let the soil do the work for you, instead of you trying to do the work over and over and over again on your own. And I pray that as we went through this, as we're going to close now just for time's sake, but that Holy Spirit will, will take this word and that He, that you'll be open to the Holy Spirit, bringing things up that you need to focus on, that you need to allow God to restore and make your heart malleable and, and, and make your heart soft in those areas so that the word of God can be planted and you can see fruit in your life. Because, We prove to be disciples of Jesus by the fruit that's in our life. Not just because we show up at church once a week. Not just because we dress the right clothes and we pretend like we got everything together. No, fruit is there if we're building, conditioning our heart to receive that soil and letting the Word, Jesus, the perfect seed, do its work. And I pray that as we go forward is that as there's a reason why when you come to church, there's so much joy in this place. There's so much peace in this place. There's so much, not because of the building or the design, it's because of the people that are in it are seeking God, and there is fruit and evidence from what was sown in the past that we are reaping now, and will continue to reap in the future. And that can be your life. What you sow now, you are going to reap in the future. Seed, time and harvest. If you're harvesting things you don't like, it's because you sowed seeds beforehand, and time did its thing, and you're reaping that harvest. But guess what? You can condition your heart, you can plant the right seeds, God's word in your life, you can let time and the soil do its thing, and guess what? You can reap the harvest of all the beautiful fruits that come with the relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. We're going to t- if you could bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If you're here and you do not have a relationship with God, I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with him. The Bible, in fact, Jesus tells us no one's good, so don't even worry about trying to be good. Don't try to make yourself perfect. Don't worry about that. Only God is good. God's so good, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you, for your sins, for the price that you could never pay. Jesus paid it for you. The Bible tells us that when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That is it. That's all you have to do. And if you want a relationship with God, whether you're here, whether you're in Calgary, whether you're online, is I'm going to count the three in just a moment. And when I count the three, I want you to raise your hand because you're signifying a choice. You're signifying, God, I repent of my ways, which means to change means I no longer want to do this my way I want to tap into relationship with you and let you acknowledge you as the Lord of my life so you choose that and then we speak and we commit that with our mouth and we're going to do that together as a church if that's you and you want to start a relationship with God today I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in one two three awesome thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you back there thank you awesome thank you Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you back there. Awesome. Praise God. If you're online or you're in Calgary, there's a leader on stage. If you're online, God knows exactly what you are believing for and choosing today. I'm going to look around one last time. That's awesome. Praise God. Would everyone in here please repeat after me as we pray together with these people who are making the best decision of their life. Dear God, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for forgiving me of all of my sins and for rising again. Today I choose to follow you and I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone in agreement said amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for all those that made that decision. You just made the best decision of your life,